Well, it's good to see you today. I think Brother Andrew has got something on the screen for us to kind of announce maybe my thought as Christians, what do we have to be thankful for? You say, my car. Well, the most wicked, evil individual in the world is able to drive a car. Probably better than yours. Well, I'm thankful for my kids sometimes. But the most evil, wicked man, Ahab, had kids. Well, I'm thankful for my house. Folk next door probably not saved. And they have a house just like yours. What are the benefits of being a Christian? As a Christian, what do I have to be thankful for? You know, I'm glad that in America we set aside a day every year, even as far back as the third year after the pilgrims got off of the boat at Plymouth Rock. Sam Bradford wrote a decree about every Thursday in the month of November the last Thursday. He would set aside and the people who come across the ocean to have freedom of religion, freedom of speech, the freedom of self-governing. They decreed a day to be thankful to whom and to what? For what? Isn't it a shame we got to have a special day to remind us that God is still God? Isn't it amazing that even in countries that do not believe in Jesus Christ still have a Thanksgiving day? Where you set? What do you have to be thankful for? More than the heathen who rape, rob, and pillage. What do you have to be thankful for that the terrorist who's trying to earn themselves to a planet filled with virgins? As Christians, what do we have to be thankful for? Let's go a little bit farther than junk. Let's go a little bit farther than our health. Let's go a little bit farther and find our place in the book of Isaiah. Probably an unusual portion of scripture today. For the tone of the day, I, I tell you, I am, I am thankful to the nth degree for all of God's blessings on me. But I wonder if sometimes we don't get caught up with being thankful for the blessings, we forget all about the blesser. Do you think maybe that's possible that we could consume ourselves with the blessings 
and in the meanwhile we forget all about the blesser. Could that be possible? Uh, could America be guilty of that? When we come into a land that flows with milk and honey and we have all sufficient to eat and dress like kings, if you please, and drive automobiles to our nth degree and we forget all about where all these blessings came from. Let me read you a verse of scripture if I can see it. I'm having trouble between here and there. But I'm in trouble. I can see you. If you go to sleep, I'll catch it. In this eye, I have 30-30 vision, long distance. In this eye, I can see nothing. Just kidding. But they've got me between a rock and a hard place. I don't know if I need my glasses, bigger writing, or just quit. Isaiah 40. Verse 12, you have a chance to read the entire book, uh, the entire chapter of uh, Isaiah 40 today. It's a blessing. The question is asked, who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? And meted out heaven with the span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure. And weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance. Verse 20, 28, hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. Thank God for that. Amen. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young shall utterly fall, fail. Paul. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord is so good to us, is he not? Thanksgiving is more than just a word. It's easy to say, I thank you. It's another thing to mean it. Thankfulness is the willful calculation of the mind and the heart. It's an Anglo-Saxon expression meaning T-H-I-N-K, thankfulness. You know how you become thankful? By thinking. Americans do not think anymore. They allow the television and everything else to control their thinking. We look as though we're watching Roadrunner and Coyote about 95% of the time. If you've ever seen an instant replay, it's Roadrunner and Coyote. 
beep, beep, bop, bop, bam. Next movie, please. And we just sit and allow the news media, Hollywood, and Hollywood to control our thinking. And because of our thinking is stinking, our thinking is wrong. You have to think to be thankful. They who do not express thankfulness has a problem with thinking. You know, it's important to the Lord because in the Bible, it just in the New Testament alone, uh, I, the 98 times in the Word of God, the word thankfulness or thank you or praise or so forth and so on, the word thankfulness is used 98 times within the Bible. If you should use the words praise, and I think praise is a part of thankfulness, and joy, and such words, it would go into the hundreds. This book is not a drab book. This is a joyful book. In history, it tells the drab and the ugly. But spiritually, it speaks of a land that is fairer than day. And by faith, we can see it afar. This book is a book of thankfulness. You think about over and over the Christian is commanded in the Bible to be thankful. That's an attitude. It also talks about giving thanks. That's an action. You know why there's no more action in thankfulness? Because the attitudes are sour in America. Everybody owes me something. You should not have done that to me, and you should not have said that to me, because I deserve better. We have a warped mindset. The Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 5:18, in everything give thanks. Now I want you to think about yesterday. Was there anything in your life that you didn't act like you were thankful for? Now, you wives, look at your husband and says, are you listening to him? Bring I did that, I saw Ms. Collins look at Brother Collins. And, and I would not say that in public unless I was just kidding. Ephesians 5 and 20. Giving thanks always for all things. That's, that's great. In Philippians 4 and 6, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. God loves somebody that's thankful. A little boy sitting in class and the teacher said Johnny what are you thankful for he said my glasses she said why are you thankful for your glasses little Johnny said because it keeps the boys from hitting me and the girls from kissing me 
in all things, give thanks. The Bible says in the book of Psalms 92 verse 1, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. A thankful heart is not only a virtue, but it is the parent of all other virtues. If there's a virtue in your life, if there's a positive in your life, it will be mothered in the heart of thankfulness. I don't know about you, but I think there's a lot that we Christians have to be thankful for. Now be patient with me if you would please, because I'm older than I used to be. I used to have to hang on with one hand on this knob. Now that I'm older, I got a two-handed knob. Keep me hanging on. The other day, Brother Ben came over to my house. Me and Brother Ben, we're buddies every once in a while. And I got a two-wheel dolly that, you know, I don't use. I have it there for JT and Andrew in case I want something moved. And the dolly was sitting out in the driveway, and me and Brother Ben, we were running around. He had his overalls on, his boots on. He was in a working mood. He was working to keep me busy What he was doing. I said, hey, Ben, would you like to ride? And he looked at me, and he looked at that dolly, and he said, yep. I said, get on. He got on that deal and stepped on the shelf. Had something in his hand, so he just grabbed with one hand. I said, now, Ben, I don't think that's going to work. I think you need to hang on with both hands. I dealt with that dolly back, and he grabbed that other deal real quick. <laughs> Grandpa wheeled Ben around the house, but he was holding on with two hands. Now, that's what i got to do now. I'm holding on with two hands. Now, I want you to think of this just a minute. As a Christian, what do you have to be thankful for that you're ungodly acquaintances do not have. Because I bet their cars as pretty as yours, their house is expensive as yours, and they probably carry a bigger roll in the pocket for than you are. But you've got something that they ain't got. I'm going to give them to you real quick. You ought to be thankful for the hedge that is around you. You ought to be thankful for the hands that hold you. You ought to be thankful for the helper that God has given. And you ought to be thankful for the hope that is above you. Ain't that good? Let's go home. Did you know, or did you not know, that as a child of God, you have a hedge around you? You say, now, preacher, what's a hedge for? A hedge is a fence. In the Hebrew, it is a fence just like the one you built around your backyard to keep your kids in. You know what I'm talking about now. A hedge that is around you. 
in the book of Job, if you'd turn there, please, with me. And you'll find in the book of Job, chapter number one, the conversation is going something like this. God says, how's it going, Satan? He said, well, I've been running up down the face of the earth just seeing who I can get in trouble. Well, how's it going? Well, not too good. God said, have you considered my servant, Job? He's a perfect man. He is upright and he is chewed evil. Have you considered my servant, Job? Satan said, it won't be any good to consider your servant because in verse number 10, hast, thou, hast not thou made a hedge about him, notice this, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side, thou hast blessed the work of his hands. A fence God has placed around every Christian a fence, a hedge, if you please, to keep the devil out and to keep us in. A fence. Well, I'll do what I want to do. Well, you go ahead and do it. As for me and my house, I'm just going to trust the Lord. You say, I, I don't have very good insurance. You do if you're saved and born again and living for God because you've got a fence around you and around all that you have. But that's something. I said, isn't that something? A hedge. A hedge to keep the devil out. I think a hedge to keep we rebellious folks in. Are we not like sheep who've gone astray? And every man turned to his own way. And then the psalmist said in the book of Psalms, Verse 23, you know it, and thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What does a shepherd need with a rod and a staff? The sheep continually trying to get out of the fence. Sheep not realizing there's wolves and animals and thieves outside the fence waiting for that sheep to just depart, climb over the hedge, find a hole in the fence, and off they go. And at night, the wolf rips upon them. How many Christians do I know who's wiggled their way through the hole in the fence? And now they're out there in the world, and the wolves of the devil, and the, and the evil spirits of the devil have now caught them, and the love of God has waxed cold, and there is if they had never been saved. Thank God for the hedge, the fence, that keeps not only the devil out, but keeps we who want out in. Have you thanked God lately for the hedge that is around your children? You talk about insurance. 
Man, I would rather have God protecting my kids. I would have, I'd rather have God keeping the hedge about my children when they go out. My dear wife, as she shops, who knows who's about with a gun and just going to start shooting for no reason, just to make headlines, just to get on the news. Who knows? Thank God when my dear wife leaves, I can say, dear God, she's in your hands and your fence and your hedge is about her. I'll live in a way which I want God to bless and keep that fence up. But uh, listen to me now. In Job's case, in Job's case, God allowed that fence, that hedge to be removed. And God said, I'll take care of the hedge, Satan. Do what you will to my servant Job. And God removed the hedge, did he not? Why in God's name would God ever remove the hedge from about the child of God? Is there the reason that God would remove the hedge and just make an open season for Satan and all of his hints in the world and all of its pleasures why would God remove the hedge? I just thank God that there's a hedge about me, my family, and all that I have. Preach, I don't understand where my money's going. Where's the hedge? You sow your wild oats on Saturday. Don't come to the church on Sunday and pray for a crop failure. You reap what you sow. He the source to the flesh, sell of the flesh, reap what? Corruption. But he the source of the spirit. Oh, yes. The hedge comes up. The devil stays out. The money stays in. <laughs> Boy, it got chilly in here. Why would God remove the hedge? Has he removed it in your life? Does it seem like everything you do turns bad? Seem like a rainy day, is it? So it's not raining, it's a flood. It's my health, it's my kids, it's my money. The dumb car won't start. And if it does, I can't afford gas. Just a bad day. Or maybe God removed the hedge. Why would God remove the hedge? In Job's case, number one, so that he might grow stronger spiritually. Not physically, spiritually. You know, to grow stronger physically, it takes activity. You can't just sit in a pew three times a week and become spiritually strong. So God removes the hedge to get you to pray. When do we pray more? 
I had one guy whose wife was getting a divorce. And that guy increased my prayer life more than any one man in the world. I would be off in another state preaching a meeting. He'd call four or five times a day and say, Preacher, let's pray. Well, what do you want to pray for? Pray my wife will come back. Pray that we can get this fixed up. When do we pray? When we get in trouble. We don't pray when everything's going right. We take God for granted when everything's going right. We must be doing everything right because everything's going right. And we just become fat, lazy, passive Christians. We don't pray. We don't read our Bible. We don't go soul winning. We don't go to any extra activities at the church. We don't need it. We're doing fine. And God knocks a hole in the hedge. And then you have a check bounce. $20. Every time. And then your car don't run. And then you have a pain someplace around your chest area. Well, is God trying to kill me? No, he's trying to grow you spiritually. Kids become rebellious. They're so cute at two. Are they not? Cute little boogers getting in trouble. Yeah. Making a mess out of your floor. Cute little boogers. And then they start driving. And then they realize that all the kids down at school do not have the standards that they have and all the requirements you require and the law you lay down. They begin to kick at the hedge. You say, not my kids. I know. Here's a difference. Their belly button is chrome. Your kids is not like anybody else's kids. They're not going to spit in your face. They're not going to call you the old man and the old lady. They're going to be respectful all their life until they're around somebody who's not. And then the hedge falls. And what in the world is going on? God, God is trying to get you actively involved in the Word of God, actively involved in prayer, actively involved in His service, because activity builds muscles. How strong are you spiritually? When God removes the hedge, do you go to church or to the bar? Do you call the preacher or the next-door neighbor who's been divorced 45 times and is now counseling marriage couples? Or do you go to the next-door neighbor for financial help and they're about to lose their house? See, God moves the hedge for a reason, to make us stronger spiritually. And when Job had lost his wealth, his family, and his health. And his wife said, Oh man, why don't you just cuss God and die? And the Bible says that Job said, Naked I came into the world, 
and naked I'm going out. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God sometimes removed the hedge just to see how much we love him. That word love is a cheap word. How much do we really love Jesus? i tell you when you'll find out. When the hedge is down. When the troubles are coming. And the money is short. And everything else goes out the window. Do you love him? When it's bad? Do you only love him when everything is going good in your life? When should we be thankful for all things? Always thankful unto God. Is anybody here today thankful for the hedge that is around you? I thank God he's taking care of my kids on us. What a lot of folk don't realize is, you know, preachers' kids are half idiot and half idiot. Because they're just like your kids. My kids would not be near as bad if they didn't have to run around with yours. All the bad habits my kids have learned from a bunch of church members. But I am thankful that all of my kids love Jesus. I'm thankful that only a few of them started a jail ministry when they were young. Like your dad, it must run in the DNA. I'm thankful for all those things. Thankful for the cars that we drive and the home that we live in. I'm thankful for this church. But when you get right down to the rock bottom, my thanksgiving comes from a heart that knowing that God has built a hedge around me. Don't you forget this. My dad can whoop your dad. Are you glad for the hedge? Today, won't you thank God for the hedge that God has built around your family and around you and around all that you have. Now look, thankfulness is an Anglo-Saxon word that comes from the word think, T-H-I-N-K. Thankfulness. Think just a minute. Have you got anything to be thankful for? Is there anything in your life that could turn that frown upside down and look like this? You folk been staring at me with a frown on your face all morning because you're so thankful I'm about finished. Think. Think. You say, well, my hair's falling out. Just look around. There's some folk give anything if they had one to fall out. <laughs> Thankful 
for the hedge. You young families, you stay right with God. Stay in your book. Stay on your knees. And keep that hedge around your kids. And around all that you have. Now I want to give you something else. I thank God for the hands that hold us. <laughs> you say, you're an idiot. I know, but I'm having lots of fun being crazy. And I give unto them eternal life, Jesus said. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my He that gave them to me is greater in all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. <laughs> what are you thankful for today? As a child of God, when I got saved, Jesus put me in his hand. Well, there's not room in there, Jesus. There's not room in there, preacher, for all of us. Oh, but if you'll turn back to our text, to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 40, may I find for you in verse number 12, who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. All the rivers and the ponds and the streams and the creeks and the lakes and the oceans of all the world he held in the palm of his hand. Did you see it? Oh, the hands of Almighty God. One time his hand is so huge that he held all the waters in the palm of his hand. Notice if you would, these, and the Bible goes on to say something about his hand. Notice in verse number 12, he says, And meted out the heavens with a span. Now, the span is from the tip of the little finger to the thumb tip. God's hand is so huge that his entire creation of all the universe, he held it in the span of his hand. I was watching television the other night. Ten years ago, the Germans shot a rocket into the air, aiming at a moving meteor, traveling at a distance of thousands of miles in the air. I think I heard them say that the satellite was traveling through space at 40,000 miles an hour. And it took it 10 years traveling at 40,000 miles an hour to reach that, that meteor. Traveling at 186,000 miles a second, which would be 671 million miles an hour. You would never exceed the universe that God held and holds in the palm, in the span of his hand. Are you thankful for anything? Are you thankful 
that you are in the hand of the Creator God that at one time held all the waters in the hand that you now rest securely and safe until Jesus comes. Amen. Well, I ain't got nothing to be thankful for. Won't you get saved then? Saved. I'm thankful for his hedge. I'm thankful for his hand. I'm thankful for his helper. He sent to be in us and among us. Blessed Holy Spirit of God, Jesus said, and I will pray the Father shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. John 14 now and verse 17. Even the Spirit would somebody take this Bible to the parking lot so I could read it, please? Even the Spirit of truth, which the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he, listen now, dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now, in closing, how many of you Christians who are saved had a real close call and you said, boy, I was lucky. Have you ever woken up at just the right time? Have you been made aware of something at the, just in the nick of time? And you said, I sure was lucky. There is no such thing as luck. That's a good word that means nothing. I will not bore you, but I can go back through these 75 years. I'll bet you I could name you several times had not been for a divine helper. Something outside of my ability. Such as the brakes grabbing on a 50 Ford going 80, 90 miles an hour and suddenly the steering goes plumb out me and four other idiots in our car, and I hit the brake and just so happened the right front brake for the first time ever grabbed and pulled that car around the curve and into an alfalfa field. Just a coincidence. My, what luck we've had. Christian, would you think, Back, how good God has awakened you at the right time or moved you at the right time. I was going through Godly the other day, and I always run stop signs because I don't have time to stop. 
But I do it California-like. I slow down. And I come to God the other day, and by the way, I'm on probation in Calgary. They catch me doing anything. It's life. I failed to yield the right away the other night about 12 o'clock with Kuna and he got me for not stopping. And I come to this stop sign and I, something told me, you might ought to stop. <laughs> I looked over, there he said. What luck. What luck. I cannot explain why I've not lost my mind pastoring churches other than the comforter has come. I cannot tell you why I can let sarcasm, hurt, and disappointment roll off my back and it be gone in a moment other than a divine helper has come. Thank God for his hedge. Thank God for his hands. Thank God for his helper. Oh, preacher, you, you ought to be thankful for your car. I'm just thankful that dumb thing will start. I want to close now. I want to thank God for the hope that I have in Christ Jesus. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My hope is all laid up somewhere beyond the blue. My hope is in nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. What is your hope? Oh, preacher, you're believing, you're, you're, you're about to lose your mind. I know it, Romans 12 and 12. It talks about rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing in hope. Hope looks forward, memories look backwards. Memories that we have back under makes us stronger today. While hope in the future ought to give us faith and strength for tomorrow. Rejoicing in hope. I like that. I turn to you. In closing, in Romans chapter 15, and the Bible says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Rejoicing and peace in believing in the God of hope. I was reading something this morning. Many of you have ever heard of Ernest Hemingway. He once said, Life is just a dirty trick 
a short journey from nothingness to nothingness. There's no remedy for anything in life. Man's destiny in the universe is like a colony of ants on a burning log. And Hemingway finally took his own life, declaring that he did not believe in God, died without any hope. But to the reverse of this, Steve McQueen, remember Steve McQueen? Top billing actor who led life as tough and as rough and as vulgar as anyone who ever portrayed it on the screen. Success filled his life with alcohol and drugs and, and everything. Failed at marriage and it left him very empty. And in his despair and darkness, he attended a crusade led by one of Billy Graham's associates in Los Angeles. McQueen made a profession of faith that evening and requested an opportunity to speak with Dr. Billy Graham. Just so happened as Dr. Graham flew into Los Angeles, there was a plane change and some time, and McQueen spent about two hours with Billy Graham in the limousine there with an open Bible. And Billy Graham shared with him many scriptures out of the Word of God. And he shared one out of Titus, chapter number 1, verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. Steve McQueen asked Dr. Billy Graham, Sir, do you have something I could write that verse down on? Billy Graham took his own personal Bible and gave it to Steve McQueen, and they parted never to see each other again. He found that promise in the Word of God to be real. Steve McQueen later died in Mexico in 1980 at the age of 50 while seeking experimental medicine for his terminal cancer. Died at 50 with Billy Graham's Bible in his hand and his finger on Titus one and two, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie hath promised before the world began. What is your hope in? I thank God for the hedge, for the hands, for the helpers and the hope.